there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The special needs parenting village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to season two of Living the Sky Life. My guest today is another spectacular special needs mama. I am always amazed and impressed that every time I talk to her or see her um, through Zoom, of course, she has a smile on her face despite maybe going through a complete night of no sleep and uh, seizures and everything else that she encounters on the daily basis taking care of her son, Eli. So a little bit more about Tracy. Tracy Lynn uh, lives in Northern Virginia and has been married to her best friend for 33 years. Tracy has her Bachelor's of Science degree in nursing and worked in critical care and school nursing. Her full-time job now is caring for the youngest of her four children, Eli, who is 20 years old, and Eli was diagnosed with autism, intellectual disability, epilepsy, and ulcerative colitis. Tracy and I have a lot to talk about over the, over the uh, episode, and in the past, we've shared many, many stories about the ulcerative colitis diagnosis with both of our sons, of course, the autism diagnosis, and we have a little bit of history with epilepsy with Skylar as well. So please enjoy my conversation with Tracy Lynn as we dig into all the things. Today's guest on the podcast is Tracy Lynn. Uh, Tracy and I met through, um, I feel like a broken record. I've said this a lot lately on episodes, but we met through one of the um, Zoom calls that we do monthly um, for parents of uh, kids that are older on the spectrum. And I've learned so much from her and all the other moms. So I'm really anxious to get to share our conversations um, on the podcast. So welcome, Tracy Lynn. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, am so just intrigued by your story when I first met you and we talked about your son, Eli. Um, he is 20 right now. Is that correct? Am I right? Correct. Yes. Yes. And you shared with me the background and um, when Eli entered your family and all of those things. So would you mind just walking back um, to how you came to adopt Eli and just kind of all the things um, with his development and um, that kind of went along with that? Sure. Um, Eli was a year and a half when he was placed with us through social services um, we lived in Iowa. We had, we were foster parents and we had done a private adoption for our oldest daughter. And then we had adopted three more children through the social service system. Uh, Eli was the last child we adopted and fostered. Um, he was a hard placement because he was developmentally delayed. Um, he, his biological parents were, um, developmentally delayed so they knew they were going to he was going to have some problems um but we fostered him knowing full well that we would adopt him we felt he deserved a loving home and just as many Absolutely. you know ch chances as every child out there um so he was about a year and a half 
Um, shortly after that, he started having seizures. Uh, we, we did not know about the seizures. Um, it was pretty intense there. Um, he, he received all the early intervention services um, for development and speech and OT and PT. And he started walking at age three, um, started getting some words um, at age three. But the seizures, we could not get them under control. And his type of seizures are um, Lennox Gestalt. And so it's a regression, regression um, type of seizure. So he loses skills with those. Every time he has seizures, he loses skills. So it's literally with us, it's you know one step forward, two back. And that's how it's been his whole life. Um, but we took him into, at the time we were living in Iowa, and we took him into the University of Iowa Children's Center and had him evaluated at age three. And that's when he was given the diagnosis of PDD, NOS, which today is, is autism spectrum. So we knew about then, but to be honest, at that point, that didn't really register to me because we were so consumed with trying to get his seizures under control. And his intellectual disability diagnosis came at that time too. And so we were just kind of struck, you know, just kind of like dumbstruck. We were like, oh my gosh, you know, what, 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 what are we going to do? You know, so we had services in place for him. But like I said, the seizures were the overwhelming immediate concern. Um, but he still started to, you know, progress. But at about age four, he completely hit a wall stopped playing with toys that he liked, stopped um, with words, stopped progressing in any way. And actually about that time, his behavior started to, we started to notice his behaviors getting aggressive towards his siblings and towards teachers and et cetera. But he, we assumed and were told that that was because lack of communication. So we started with the PEX system at his preschool and he learned some sign language. Um, he still to this day uses a little bit of sign language for, for please and potty and milk, but he lost those skills also over time. Um, so that's kind of, you know, we moved when he was in third grade. He's been, he, at that time he was in a special preschool, but he, would go out to music class with his regular classmates. But by the time he hit third grade, it was obvious that he couldn't function in a normal classroom. His aggression was too much. And the differences between his age and, and his you know, age appropriate friends, it was too great. He couldn't function. His anxiety was through the roof. So from that point on, he was in a um, classroom just for disabled, intellectually disabled um, students and autism students. And I think he preferred it. It was less stress for him. So he did very, he did well, but we constantly battle with the, the seizures and losing skills. And we, like I said, to this day, we still do. Well, and I know you have um, a nursing background and did they say, or have they determined that, um, if it hadn't been for the seizures, do you think that he would have been diagnosed with autism or intellectual disabilities? I mean, he started to develop 
somewhat normally, um, I hate to use that word, I hate that word, but um, just on the on the scale uh, of walking and, um, you know, some words and things like that. And then you said with the seizures being causing regression, um, is that, do you think that the forefront of, of everything as far as diagnosis goes? I think, I think he would, he was, would have been diagnosed with the intellectual disability just because of his family's biological history. Um, I, I think that would have been there. The autism, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, in my opinion, I think it would have been there, but I don't think he would have been, I think he would have progressed farther than he is now had it not been for the seizures. Yeah. Gosh, that is just so much. And I know um, we've gotten the chance to, to meet him. I, I have um, on some of those Zoom calls and he's such a handsome young man. And I just feel so bad for him and for you that, um, you know, his seizures just take him out. And, you know, I know he has suffered injuries because of, you know, just dropping, um, you know, and, and you're unable to detect when that's going to happen. Um, the poor guy, I just feel so bad for you guys. I, I can't imagine adding that level of um, medical need on top of everything else. And you handle it with such grace. So it's, it's thank you. You know, yeah, yeah it is definitely something. It's difficult. I Go mean, ahead. The, no, sorry. It, it's difficult the not being able to, to help him with that. And he's been so, you know, his, his epilepsy is, is not controlled at all. Um, they consider him controlled, but he has, you know, tonic clonic seizures every, you know, roughly about every five days. And he has absent seizures throughout the day. He can have, you know, 50 to hundred of those during the days, but they cycle. And I think that's what makes his aggression so bad um, because he comes out of those confused. Um, I, yeah. I wish he could communicate to me and tell me how he's feeling. Does he have a headache? Does, you know, what, what can I do to make it better? That's probably the most frustrating thing as a parent, which I, I know, you know, it's just, if you could just tell me what's wrong, I could help you. Mm -hmm. Well, and it seems like, um, it may be compounding on itself too, because I know he's not a sleeper and not much of a sleeper too. And so, you know, probably the lack of sleep increases the level of severity of the seizures and the frequency of the seizures. Um, you know, you like can't play catch up at all with that because he needs sleep, but right. <laughs> he's unable to get it. Right. So, right. Oh my God. He's not a sleeper. He's, he, he'll fall asleep easy because his nighttime medication causes him to be drowsy and he'll sleep for about three, three hours, four hours, but he'll go to sleep right when he gets home from school. Cause he's just wiped out. So he's asleep by four 35 o'clock, but then he's up and ready to go at like nine or 10 at night. And then maybe mm -hmm. we go back to sleep, sleep at three and then back up at six. So he's, yeah, he has a hard time with sleep and the medication doesn't help. Um, one of his medications, you know, causes him to be agitated and so it's a vicious cycle. Medication is a, is a vicious cycle. Um, he's on so many that we have a plan to take him off and, and reduce the amounts because when he went through puberty, that's all the doctors did was just throw pills at him, um, just yeah. to help with the aggression and Gosh. And, and I remember you saying, um, he was on something, um, that was 
actually controlling his seizures quite well. And he had a longer period of time between them. And then like with everything, it seems like maybe that fizzled a little bit. You just had a, a, a recent appointment, didn't you? And um, did anything come of that from the neurologist office? Another thing to try or any plans? Well, the, the medication that he's on is, it's slowly stopping to work. His, his time in between seizures is, is narrowing again and his aggression is increasing with it. So they want us just to continue, I think, till we get to our point where we say we can't manage him, but we did just have an appointment with um, the genetics department and we sent off to do genetic testing to see if we can pinpoint a cause for the seizures to better direct the treatment. So it'll take probably about three months before we get those results back. Yeah, we did genetic testing with Skylar when he was two, maybe. Uh, we were looking for everything, Prater, Willie, Will I, however you say it, um, Pika, um, just everything, because no one could really figure out, even back then, you know, that it was autism, they weren't really sure. Um, and those results do take forever. It's like only a few places in the country that can actually read them and process them, the blood work and stuff. It's, it's kind of nuts, but gosh, well, I know we've talked about, um, you know, communication a little bit and that he started out with pecs and some sign language and, and still uses some of that. Um, is there anything that, um, really excites him about communication? I, I mean, I, like I said, I know you and I've talked at length about, the struggles with finding something that resonates with our kids to be able to, um, you know, find out something that they need or they want or how they're feeling. And, you know, we've started that spelling with Skylar. Is there anything that you've come across that makes Eli light up a little bit more to want to, you know, communicate with you and participate in a, some sort of a conversation with you? <laughs> I wish I could say yes, because I don't want to sound like a, yeah. a, a downer here, but, but no, um, he was doing very well with pecs, but it was just kind of, it was, it was more in the school setting at home. He didn't like to use mm -hmm. them. And we had the big pecs book, the huge folder, um, to try to use it with his, his verbal communication because he does use words. He uses two and three words, um, to tell you what he wants. Like he'll say, well, that's you know, good. Eli yeah, it, it is. It's Eli cheeseburger. I mean, that's his big thing or outside. <laughs> he'll say one word phrases, but he don't, he won't, we can't have, we don't have meaningful conversation with him. He doesn't tell us how he's feeling. He doesn't, um, you know, we can't talk to him about how his day was, what, what sure. did he do that kind of stuff. But he will, as his seizures happen, his skills decrease. So he will stop using words. Sometimes he'll just, we won't hear him say anything for months. And during those times, he'll take us by the hand and take us to what he wants, or he'll go and get what he wants. Like I, he'll just go to the, the cupboard and grab the peanut butter and bring it to me. And so that's how he'll communicate to us when he can't find his words. Um, we've taken mm -hmm. the pecs and, and tried to put it into the, you know, the iPad, the Prolo program, mm -hmm. but the, he, he's not interested in an iPad at all. He has a Dynavox yeah. from school and he has no 
he just has no interest with it at all. We, we have it sitting on the table and anytime he wants something in milk, we try to get him to, you know, we use it. We, we have to direct it, but he, he would rather, he has no interest in, in it at all. Um, no interest in, in YouTube, no interest in games, no, no interest yeah. in electronics at all. Yeah, we're right there with you. Um, you know, it's <laughs> funny because I, you know, I've, I've learned over the years of doing this for so long that um, every time I try to, um, you know, we, we're using Proloquo a little bit now, but even with that, he struggles with his motor ability to be able to touch the pack. And, and so it doesn't scroll away, you know, like up and down and um, with enough force to actually pick the one that he wants. He, like Eli, he's so much better at you know, if I hold out two food items, the actual items in the box or whatever they are, um, and he smiles and he will grab one out of my hand and like the one that he wants. And if that's the easiest for them, you know, to actually go and get something out of the refrigerator or get something out of the cabinet, um, I'm all for it. I, I just want him yeah. to be able to feel comfortable in his own home to be able to say, I don't want that rather than when he was little, you know, I would just make the mac and cheese or whatever. And he was like, no, I don't want that. And he wouldn't eat it. And I'd get <laughs> frustrated. Like, I don't know what you want. What you want. Now, at least, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. I, I'm, that is a positive that I look at that he, even though he loses his words and he doesn't want to use the electronics, he can get up and he can walk over and he can pick up that jar of peanut butter and bring it to me. And I know that that's what he wants. And so that means the world to me that he's actually has a choice and in what he wants to eat or what he wants to do. And we do the same thing. I'll put um, two or three things out on the table and, and let him pick. And he'll, that's just, mm -hmm. that, that is the easiest way for him also. And I'm grateful for that. Even that amount of communication is yeah. wonderful. Is he a picky eater? Has he always been a picky eater? Or has he always been pretty easygoing with food? Um, he's, he's, he's pretty picky. Um, he's not to the extent where he? it has to be. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be the same brand of things, but his thing is soft foods. He doesn't like anything mm -hmm. crunchy or textured. He likes like, you know, like yeah. the peanut butter sandwiches or, or we soft cookies or, you know, toast that's not all the way toasted. It just has to be a soft texture for him. He has an aversion to anything hard or crunchy. Skylar's the same way. And I always laugh because I'm thinking, do you just not want to work that hard? Like, do you just not want to <laughs> chew that hard? But then I really, I mean, you know, joking with him aside, I think about, well, it makes sense really because he was so hypotonic when he was little. He was such a floppy kid, floppy baby. Um, and, and that brings true today why his motor skills are still so delayed um, that his mouth muscles and everything with his face all was really low tone also. So it makes sense that, you know, anytime we would give him anything that was like a chip or anything, he would, if the minute he put it in his mouth and if it felt, the texture felt hard, he spit it right back out. He didn't even try to chew it. And I, again, used to get frustrated because I'm like, what cookies, who doesn't like Oreos or whatever, but he just <laughs> couldn't, he just couldn't, you know, salivate enough to make it you know super squishy and <laughs> whatever yeah. to chew it so that oh, is the exact same 
exact same thing with Eli. He, it has to be soft. It, it just, he'll, you put a chip in his mouth and he just kind of lets it fall out. He doesn't even want to, yeah. like, nah, like, not, not for me, <laughs> but he's, he's good with eating anything. I mean, he'll eat anything. He'll try it as long as it's soft, he'll try it. So we are lucky with mm -hmm. that. He has really bad yeah, that's uh, how we motor. Sorry. He's got really bad motor no, skills too. We, with the, with the Dynavox and the iPads and stuff, they even ordered the, um, the guards that you put on the top to, to it, the squares match. So his fingers wouldn't slide all over, but he still didn't, uh, take any interest in it but we we tried every option with, with those two and I still use it I'm not going to give up on him I still have him sitting out every time every day all day because you never know one day he might just be like okay mom I'll do it for you you know <laughs> sometimes I wonder you know, <laughs> for you <laughs> yeah for you mom I'll do it this time so I I always keep him out and we always have it there for him and reintroduce it to him because as he grows, I, I, I think that, you know, maybe his interests will change and maybe he'll take interest in it someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to um, get the information on the guards from you after this, because I've never heard of that. I mean, that would oh, be huge yeah. for us to be able to keep it stationary. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to touch about that uh, yeah. afterwards. Um, you know, I wanted to, um, I know you mentioned in the beginning, too, that you have a total of four kids, including Eli. Is that right? I shouldn't Correct. say kids because they're all adults now, but <laughs> um, what was the relationship like um, as far as ages when um, Eli um, joined the family at a young age? Were the, were the other kids older or close in age to uh, him? My kids were born in, um, my oldest was born in 90 and then the next three were born 98, 99, and 2000. So the three little okay. ones were within a, within a year of each other. And oh so gosh. he is the, yeah, <laughs> I know it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, the young, he is the youngest. So he has a sister above him who's 21 and a brother above her that's 22. And then my oldest daughter is 30. Um, his relationship was, was good with them. Um, he kind of just like hung around and they, they, everybody was the kids when they were little were, were great. It was like, that's just Eli. And they would do things for him and, and include him. But as he got older and his aggression started, it got harder. It, it was, it was a different kind of life for my older kids. That's for sure. Um, he has, Eli has taken an, a special he has like a special bond with my daughter that's right the year above him those two mm -hmm. are very um close he is very you know wants to be with her is excited and smiles when she comes to visit and it's just an easier relationship um my son my other son he i don't know if it's a guy thing and it's a territory thing but they've never really like gotten along and that's not to say mm -hmm. that my older son doesn't love him and do things for him and stuff but he's just never Eli's just never been super close with him he he just I think he sees him as a threat I don't know and then my older daughter yeah was always kind of a caregiver with him um because she was mm -hmm. you know she was 10 so she was always 
helping, you know, she helped me a lot with all of them because having three kids, you know, under the age of three, two, and one were, was tough. <laughs> a lot she of was a little mini mama, right? She yeah. was, she was, she was good. But as they've gotten older, my kids, you know, they, I know at times they resented him because he takes up so much of, of my husband's time and my time. And during the school years, you know, we had to separate, you know, whose turn is it to go to, to the concert or the football game or, or the award ceremony or, or, you know, whose turn was it? And it was like, well, I went last time you go this time. Cause somebody always had to stay home with Eli. He, he couldn't go yeah. it, it. And if we tried to take him, it would just draw too much attention away from their event. So we decided a long time ago yeah. that we would just split it up and, I think my kids resented that growing up. Um, they didn't understand, but now that they're older, you know, they have come back to me and said, you know, they don't resent him for that. They understand it. They just feel sorry that we didn't get to be together to see them. And that makes me kind of sad, you know, that my kids feel sad for me, but they no longer right. hold anything against him. They, they understand how difficult he is to care for and his, how great his needs are. And so they all, they all are, they're getting to the point now though, where they're worried about, you know, it's the, the child taking care of the parent. I get calls now. How are you? How's everything going? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not you know. that old yet. You guys, come on. <laughs> But, well, that's such a true, I mean, it is as sad as that probably makes you to hear. It's such a true testament to how you and your husband raised all of the kids because it's normal for, you know, the siblings to have resentment. I mean, I know Kendall does. I mean, she's even said, you know, God, I just, sometimes I just wish we had a normal family, which again, normal is relative, but, um, <laughs> we are abnormal in a lot of ways, but, um, you know, I just think I hope that she is the same when she's out of the house and has a life of her own that she calls and checks on me. And um, it'll just, it'll make me feel like I did a really good job with her and that she's going to be an incredible adult, um, you know, just in this life with so much compassion for others. Yeah. So I think you did an excellent job I, with all of them. Uh, <laughs> thank you. I, I, I think well, you had it, mentioned, I, I, I tell them that, that they were lucky to be raised with their brother. It has taught them a lot about life and people and how to react to people and how to treat people. And so I tell them, you know, it was hard, but I think you were blessed and very lucky to be raised with alongside your brother. Well, you're a huge role model for them too, because you didn't have to choose this life. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but um, like you said in the beginning, every child deserves a wonderful life full of love and support and encouragement. And you demonstrated that your, you know, the entire life of your children. And, um, you know, they can definitely look back on that and be so proud of you and, you know, emulate all of your mothering that, you know, when they're <laughs> parents someday, if they are, are any of them parents? Yes, my oldest has two. Um, so I've, and I have Aww. two granddaughters. Yeah. And, and, uh, Eli loves them. He just loves them. They have a special relationship, him and my oldest granddaughter. She's five now. 
she's like awesome with them. She just like grabs him by the hand. Come on, Eli, let's read a story or come on, Eli. And I, I love it. I just, there's no fear. There's no, you know, shying away from him. She's just matter of fact. And I, I just, I love it. I love that. She's going to know this too, and know how to have compassion with, with special needs population. I just, I love it. That's so cute how kids are just they, they don't notice anything she probably loves playing with her uncle eli because he plays the same things that she's interested in <laughs> like you know he enjoys the same toys and games at, at her age level you know so they can really hit it off they i love that that kids just don't they don't even bat an eye at it nope not even well, you had mentioned to me um, around Christmas time, I was asking you, um, and you're the one who gave me the suggestion um, for opening our gifts on Christmas Eve and just kind of doing our thing and not feeling guilty about that. Um, and it was it was amazing. It was such a wonderful Christmas for all of us, including Skylar. Um, but I love the idea that um, I think you said your kids maybe came up with for Eli for Christmas to include him. Um, do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. He, Eli doesn't open up presents. He doesn't enjoy it. He doesn't, um, there's no really gifts to give him. He doesn't, like I said, he doesn't have any interest in toys or constructive play. So he's very difficult to buy things for. And my kids um, decided to start buying him t-shirts um, that have some, you know, obnoxious or funny sayings on them. So it's always a, <laughs> it's always a, a, um, competition with them to see who can get the best shirt that suits him um every year they do it and they go on a hunt to see and and I love that because they are thinking about their brother and they're including him in on it um and I, I just love it like he, Eli loves Cheerios he always eats Cheerios I mean for the last 20 years he's had a bowl of honey nut Cheerios and my son, a couple of years ago, found a shirt that said serial killer and had two spoons on it. I mean, that was like one of the best ones. They just, those kind of shirts, they just look for, they look for anything that, that suits him. Um, you know, don't be, don't, you know, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hangry, those kind of, you know, so they always look for the, uh -huh. the best shirts and, and, and then we open them with him, you know, for him. And it's, it's nice. It's how they keep close to him. Yeah. And does he wear them all? Does he like them all and oh, wear them? Of course. Yep. Yep. He always wears <laughs> them. And I always get comments back from school too. Good shirt. Good one. <laughs> so uh, I think every, I know I try to I find every, everybody enjoys them. Yeah. I mean, uh, our, we're a very sarcastic and um, fun loving family here too. And I always try to find Skylar ones like, um, you know, ladies man and like he wore i don't even remember he wears a lot of retro shirts we got him a um for his birthday last year we got him a a rick he was basically all the school was walking around saying we've been rick rolled all day because we got him a um things rick astley would never do t-shirt and it had never gonna give you up never let you down you know the whole <laughs> lyrics it was funny <laughs> we found a company that has just all funny shirts like that i'll have to share it with you so your kids can browse it. I mean, we just laugh for hours looking at all of these shirts that have movies, quotes and stuff. It's, they're funny. And that's so. what we do too. We, <laughs> Whatever we, do. we can we're do very, to entertain ourselves. 
well, we started to think, what would Eli like? What would he be like if he could tell mm-hmm. us what he'd want to wear? And just his personality, he, he's quite the little charmer when he wants to be. He is very affectionate when he wants to be on his terms. And so we always, it's like, well, you'd, he'd, he'd be sarcastic. He's part of our family. So, you know, we know he'd, he'd, be, <laughs> he'd have to be to be part of this family because we are that way too. But we always look for those kind of things for him too. Yeah, I think the sarcasm and the humor is how we survive around here. It's how I survived my childhood. It's, I mean, it's just part of me. And I, I don't, I can't imagine doing this life without humor. It would be pretty miserable <laughs> and pretty sad all the time. Ugh. Well, I mean, I know that Eli obviously relies hev- heavily on you for care and support with the seizure activity being so um, prevalent in, in all of your lives. Um, but can you talk a little bit about the services and like the day programs and schooling and things that he's doing as a 20 year old. I'm trying to, you know, just kind of shed some light on the post 18, 18 to 22 years of kind of what's available in each state. And I know every state differs, but um, you know, what kinds of things are available to Eli to do during the day? Well, not to be a downer, but overall in the United States, I don't think there's a lot for kids at this age. For some Correct. reason, I believe they think that when these kids turn 18, that their autism is cured. Um, Eli is still in school. He graduated last year, but he's still in school. He can stay in school for up till age 22. Um, his public school did not have a good placement for him. So right now they, he's been placed in a autism um, center, an ABA center, which okay. I, Eli, Eli has done ABA for years. He's been in and out of different ABA programs. I don't think he's benefiting from it at this point, but he does mm-hmm. benefit from the, the structure of it, if that makes sense. He, he likes the it structure. Totally yeah. So he's going to stay in that until he's 22. Um, after that, he, he has a waiver through in Virginia. He has the family and individual support waiver, the FIS waiver, which will provide yeah. group, group day services and in-home services for him. But we have been trying to tour. We were starting to tour different day centers and we even looked at like group homes, but since COVID everything's been stopped. So I'm makes me anxious because there's waiting lists for the good programs for him. But what I noticed was a lot of the programs in the day support services were of people that were with disabilities that were a lot older than him. Like, so I'm still Mm -hmm. trying to find where is the centers with the kids that are his age. Um, He's also going to have some hard time because he's going to need someone to be with him one-on-one. He, number one for his seizures. Number two, he has no sense of, of danger or awareness of his environment. So he cannot be in with a group of two or three people because he's, he will take up the, their complete time. He'll walk off. He, he doesn't, you know, he just needs that one-on-one with him at all times. Um, so we did do look at some group homes. They wouldn't take him because of his, um, medical needs. Um, he also has ulcerative colitis and gets 
Humira injections every week. So that was a big yep. concern for, for these homes. And, but our plan is to put him into, hopefully find a good day service program for him where he'll go out into the community and also learn a skill. Um, he loves to be outside. So I would love to find a place that has like a gardening or anything that he can do working outside and being outside, you know, weather permitting. But to be honest, there, there's not a lot, there's not a lot, it, yeah. at least in, in my area so far that I've been able to, to tour. Um, I actually have a meeting with his social worker tomorrow to talk about more places to, to at least talk to these people on the phone to see if it's the right place for him. Because like I said, there's waiting lists. And although he's just 20 mm-hmm. and he's got till he's 22, I feel this pressing need to find out, you know, to find where he is going to, to fit when he's done with that, because he would not do well at home with me all day, every day. Um, I wouldn't uh-huh. be happy and he wouldn't be happy. He's, he is a social person for the most part, um, has to be a small social circle, but he likes getting out of the house. He likes, you know, saying hi to people. He, he likes that social interaction and he needs that. So I am honestly still looking for where he's going to fit in um, after this. And there's not a lot out there at all. Um, and then there's not a lot out there for kids with his, with intellectual disabilities, with autism, who also have more complex medical needs. So I'll have to keep you posted on what I find. Yeah. I mean, we're in the same boat and although Skylar is just shy of his 18th birthday, I'm with you. I mean, I'm already having these conversations with his caseworker and trying to find places that will take him for outings and things like that. And it seems like even if we were to get on waiting lists now, by the time he's 22, those places close or they have no staff or the waiting list gets even longer because they have no staff. And, you know, she told me the other day that the only option right now for day programming is exactly what you said. Either he goes to a facility where they do like a little small job, um, but everybody there is, you know, 40 or 50 years old plus. And she's like, I just don't know that he would fit in there. They don't have the staff to sit next to him or um, the fact that he's not toilet trained. There wouldn't be anybody that would be willing to, you know, change his pull up in the middle of, they're already watching others, you know, other members of the, of the day program. Um, So, you know, that's kind of out. And then she said, you know, the only other thing right now in the state where I live is um, group homes. And she's like, I know, I know your feeling on that, you know, and um, she said, and even that, even, even if you were not opposed to it right now, they, um, they have six to eight uh, kids, young adults, I guess, in the group homes, and they only have one, maybe two staff members. Right. So, I mean, there's no way that he could be in a room with one or two other kids and somebody check in on him periodically. I mean, he is not toilet trained. He's not verbal. He's not, he's just not able to be left alone because he has no sense of danger either. Um, you know, uh, uh, just the whole thing gives me anxiety because, you know, as you know, he has ulcerative colitis too. So, I mean, it's not that he's just not toilet trained because we don't want to, or we just have never taken the time. It has been a 
you know, whatever, 15 years, 16 years struggle because his stomach is in such disarray that, you know, it's not his fault. He has other things going on that have occluded him from wanting to even, you know, get into using the toilet and all of that. So I don't know. It's just, it stresses me out. And I wish that you would have said, I knew what you were going to say, but I wish that you would have been able to say, oh my gosh, there's so much. (laughs) There's so many places they can go. (laughs) I try to, I try to find out like, you know, my husband and I have talked about, you know, what States have the better programs we'll move there, but you know, there's, there's waiting lists to get the waivers to get the services. So like we had to wait eight years for a, a waiver for Eli for in Virginia. Yeah. He he was on the wait list. We were and 10. Finally, yeah. And I'm like, where if we move to another state that has these services, we'll have to wait another eight to 10 years to get the waiver. And then who's to say that the state's gonna still be, you know, that number rated number one in those programs are gonna still be in effect. Like you said, you know, we may get on a waiting list for a place here and over the next two years, staff overturns and then the place won't have glowing as good of reviews and the same people won't be there. And so we were, you know, we were on a waiting list for two years to go to a place that we don't like anymore. Um, so it, yep. yeah, I, I lose and sleep over it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I lose sleep over it great uh, every day. I, I sometimes wake up, you know, in a panic thinking, what am what are we going to do? And you know, I just want him to be able to participate in life. I want him to have, to have some joy in, in his life. I want him to be able to go out, you know, do what he wants to do outside, whether he has a job purpose or not, just so he has a task to do that he gets out in the community. I just want him to find some joy in his life. Um, I, I don't want to look at it like I'm just trying to house him. I, and, and I don't want to put him in a, in a group home. I'm not there yet. I'm sure at some point in my life, you know, I'll try to, I'll have to make that decision because I'm not going to live forever. Mm-hmm. But right now, you know, I would just like to get him in a good group situation, day center situation where he's happy and he lives with us. Um, but it's, that's, it's a daunting task to find a place. It really is. Um, that's something that really needs to change in our country. It's just, I, where are all these other young adults? Where are they at? I, yeah. I mean, where are they at right now? I, I mean, yeah. I really want to know where are they? <laughs> Cause they're not all able to work and hold jobs and, you know, be a little higher functioning in society. I mean, there are plenty of young adults like Eli and Skylar that will need, you know, attention and constant, you know, care when they're out in the public, but they deserve just like everybody else to have interaction with society and not, like you said, not sheltered at home. I mean, it's not healthy for them and it's not healthy for us. We need a break too. You know, we need somebody to work with them a few hours a day, take them on outings and do things to give us a break. It's just not, it's not healthy. Um, you know, for us to be doing this 24 seven for the rest of our lives as well. Uh, It's just, it's just not, (laughs) not in the cards. I, I I couldn't do it. I mean, I'm human. I need a break too, but I honestly, up until a few years ago, didn't even realize 
I mean, I thought like Eli was the one and only. I like there are no other kids like him out there because I never heard about it. Uh -huh. I never saw it. I was like, he just must be so severe. That, and I don't, there's no other kids like him. And, you know, the best thing in my life was joining, you know, the social media and getting on the group and getting in, in, in the, you know, Coop's Troop type group and starting to realize like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. There are tons of kids uh -huh. like Eli. There are tons of kids like Eli. So now I'm at the point like, okay, I know I'm not alone. I know he's not alone. So let's move forward and find out where are all these other kids at. And if there isn't a place for them, then we need to get together we'll build it parents and build it and make it happen. That's right. I'm not that far from you. We could build something in between our two States. <laughs> well, you know, on this same, on the same topic. So even now, are you able to find small windows of time to just, you know, walk away and take care of your physical and mental health? Um, for the most part, I am, um, my husband travels a lot for work, Good. but he is the best partner and father I could have ever asked for in this journey. Aww. He's, he is, he is very supportive. Um, he takes Eli, like I'll say, I need, I need a day and he'll take him. Um, he's taken days off work. If Eli has been home, like when during the pan early pandemic times, when he was not at school, and he was with me 24 seven for months, you know, uh -huh. my husband would take a day off and say, you go, go do what you need to do, you know, go take a break. Um, he lets me take a vacation every summer. I fly out and visit my family and he takes the week off work and stays with Eli so that I can go and actually Aww. visit with my family. Cause anytime we would, we go on vacation and try to take Eli with us, I'm like bound to our, we, we go to cabins, we go to a lake resort in Minnesota. And yeah, I would be tied, tied to the cabin. I couldn't leave, you know? So it's like, why am I here? I can't visit with anybody. A vacation. I, yeah. I might as well <laughs> not be here. So we decided probably about five years ago that I would just go by myself and I miss my husband not being there. And I miss Eli not being there, but I'm able to connect with my family because we don't live by them. Um, they live, we don't live right. anywhere near them. So, um, I'm able to at least for one week out of a year to go and, and reconnect with my family. And, and so my husband's wonderful. And while, as long as he's in school, you know, I, I can, I slip away and get my nails done. That's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I like, yeah. yep. I mean, and that's just one thing I do do for myself. It sounds very, you know, vain and materialistic, but it just makes no, me feel better makes me feel good to say, okay, I got my gray hair colored and I got my nails done. I can take on the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Heck man. When, I mean, I'm just thrilled that Skylar's ABA center where he goes kind of for the same purposes, like you said with Eli, um, it's great because it's year round. Um, they only take breaks for, um, Christmas day, um, and Thanksgiving and like the actual major holidays, um, but they don't have a spring break like our other center did and they don't have a fall break and they don't observe a school calendar. Um, so they're open all summer too. So I'm like you, man, I'm like, all right, I can, I have this window to this window. I got to get my nails done. I've got to get my hair done. I, I need a massage. <laughs> like, I mean, why not? I'm a better mother when I, you know, 
yes. pretty nails yes. and my hair done. <laughs> I feel better about myself and my attitude's better. <laughs> so it is. Everyone it benefits. definitely is. I agree. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Well, thinking back, you know, I know you've been through um kind of a unique journey, maybe from some other families that are listening, um, that don't have the multiple um conditions and diagnosis that Eli has, but would just overall, would you have any advice for your younger self? Um, you know, up until Eli became a teenager, are there any, is there anything that you would have changed with maybe how hard you were on yourself or things that you would have done differently again, with regard to just maybe, um, you know, giving yourself a break a little bit and not being so hard on yourself? Yeah, I think, I think I would tell myself that it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, There is no such thing as perfection. Um, It's okay to ask for help. It doesn't mean you're less of a parent or less of a person. Um, Find your people, find your support group, um, whether that's, you know, a family member, some people online, but find your, your tribe, find where you belong, because that support and just knowing that you're not alone is huge. Um, also, I guess I would tell myself to have more patience. Um, the, the caregiver in me, the nurse in me um, wanted to do everything to take care of Eli. So I don't think I did him any favors by doing everything for him when he was younger. Um, right. It, it was hard not to do that, having three kids so small and having to get them out the door. So I think I would tell myself to just get up earlier, have more patience, let him do more for himself. Because I, like I said, I, I, I don't know if it was just the the control freak in me, the caregiver in me, but I wanted to do and take care of him. Um, but I would step back and let him do a lot more for himself when he was younger, because it's a lot harder now that he's older because he's, you know, to a, to a degree, he's like a little lazy. He's like, you do it. You've been doing it for me for years. You know, <laughs> Skyler's the same way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, no, you're going to start doing this. You need to do this yourself. You, you can get up and go get it. You, you know, and, and I can tell sometimes he just looks at me like, what's up, you know, what, why you, you know, but I, I guess I would tell myself, my younger self to have a little bit more patience and take a deep breath and, and don't do so much for him. If, if that sounds, you know, makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's so hard because you see, you don't ever want to see your kids struggle no matter what the situation. So you just kind of, you know, fly in and help and I'll get it. I'll get it. And my thing was, you know, the way I was raised, um, my mom, you know, bless her. I mean, I don't think that this was her intention. It's probably how she was raised too, but she never wanted us to make a mess ever when we were kids. So we did very few craft projects. We did, you know, a lot, no painting, that kind of thing. Um, cause she was just hovering like, Oh, even when we baked cookies, you know, she was <laughs> afraid we were going to get flour <laughs> everywhere. And like, just, you know, super, super, uh, OCD about cleanliness and stuff. Um, 
And I, I think I inherited that trait. I was the same way with both Kendall and Skylar, really. But even just teaching Skylar to feed himself and hold the utensils independently and things, I had one of those, um, I don't even know what they're called now, like splat mats or whatever underneath his chair of the table so that he wouldn't get food everywhere and I could clean it up easier. But I mean, I had to let go of that. It took a long time for me to just say, it doesn't matter. It'll wash, it'll clean. If it doesn't, who cares? But I mean, it doesn't come very easily to me to let go of the control of that stuff. So I, I, I I'm the same way. (laughs) I'm the same way. I, that's what I guess I mean by it doesn't have to be perfect. Your house doesn't have to be perfectly clean. You, you know, I let it, I ended up during a certain point in Eli's life, taking everything off my walls and all my knickknacks, anything I had, because he was in a destructive stage going through puberty. Yep. And I just took it all away. And I was like, go ahead. You know, if the wall gets a hole in it, the wall gets a hole in it. There was nothing of sentimental or monetary value that he could, you know, destroy. And it kind of, it was freeing. It was like, go ahead. I don't have to jump up and move stuff and, and protect this and that. And it, it was hard. It is hard to, to let go of that, but it's like, you know, go ahead, do what you would do what you got to do. And then we'll deal with it afterwards. My husband would love that you said that and how freeing it is. Cause <laughs> I've done pretty, pretty well with that. We don't have like end tables next to the couches and coffee tables with things on them and lamps and all that. I mean, I, I've never had that. But um, I do have things on the mantle and I do have things in the entryway on like a little table and whatever. None of it is of any value. So if it gets broken, it's fine. But the amount of times over the weekend that we'll say, no, no, leave that alone. Don't touch that or whatever. My husband always says, really, can we just clear all this stuff off? Like, do we really need it out? And I'm so (laughs) determined to have a house that I want to live in decorated how I want it. You know, I'm like, he's not going to win. Darn it. Skylar is not going to dictate how we live, but it would be so much easier if I would just put some things away. I think it would be freeing and I would probably be a lot happier (laughs) if I could just make the break with my, with my, um, knickknacks, I guess, or whatever, but I don't know. I have my stuff that's (laughs) important to me in my office and my office door is locked. So he can't get in there. So I feel like I have my space where I have the things that I want that I don't want to get ruined or that I, that bring me joy. I have there and the door's locked. So, and once I did that too, I, you know, cause I had a little bit of resentment, you know, why can't I have nice things? Why can't I have this here? And when I made my own space for it, I lost that resentment. Cause I'm like, I do have it. I have my own, my own room and he can, he has the rest of the house, you know, which is fine. And so now, you know, it's just less stressful. It's a lot less stressful. That's great advice right there. (laughs) That was, that's brilliant (laughs) to have just your one room with your stuff that means stuff to you. So Mm -hmm. I just picked up that piece of advice from you right now. So thanks. Well, good. (laughs) I'm going to do that. (laughs) It's freeing. Then I win and and he wins too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's a win-win. I mean, we took... We took all of our pictures and put them on those, um, on the, um, I don't know what it's called now. Sorry. They, you get them printed out on canvas. 
mixed tiles. Like the foam boards or canvas? Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. And I, I, cause I had pictures all over and I, they were frames were always getting broke. So I just invested in all those. Yep. He could, he takes those off the wall and he doesn't throw them. He takes them off the wall and we'll go carry them around for a while. And then I'll find it and I'll put it back <laughs> on the wall. And, and it doesn't bother me. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's got, you know, so-and-so's picture. And then I, we just put it back on the wall. I don't have to worry about glass being broken. I don't have to worry about frames. I don't have to worry about anything. It, and that was another freeing moment for me. It was like, I can have my pictures around me and, and not worry about him getting hurt. And just, there's a lot of things compromise, I guess. Yes. And, and maybe that comes with age. I don't know, but after doing this for 20 years, you, you've kind of figured it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not Hopefully everything. I'm right behind a, you. <laughs> a lot of things. It, I figured a lot of things out. It's, it's but it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. It's it is a hard life sometimes. Um, but I've learned to accept it and and just enjoy the ride. Well, Eli and your other children and your husband are all lucky to have you. So um, <laughs> you're you. doing so many amazing things and and. Um, they're amazing kids because of you. So I appreciate your time and all your sage advice and your <laughs> you sharing your story with everybody today. Um, it, it meant a lot to me to have you on as a guest. And I look forward to many of our Zoom monthly calls um, so I can learn more things from you. So thank you so much for being a guest today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, take care and have a great rest of your day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.